Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Come on, are you there? I know it's a text you know very well. This is a text that you use for exams but have nothing to do with exams. Everybody read 2 Timothy 2.15 together. One, two, go. It says, study. NKGV says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. So meaning, when we observe your devotional favor, uh, we should see you as someone we can call a worker, a laborer in the word of God. So you see, knowing God requires diligence. Can you say that? Come on, say that with me. Say, knowing God requires diligence and you see there are some things that are on the surface and there are some things that require digging you see when you are receiving an introduction to any subject they always start with the simple things the examples are always the simplest you know you're like oh is this the calculus they've been talking about easy peasy but as it goes deeper then you need to put on your thinking caps and give it a second and a third and a fourth look. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You see, in mining, almost never do you see any treasure worth anything precious just on the surface. If you want something special, you're going to have to dig for it. You're going to have to dig for it. So learn to dig for the word of God. When you read it the first time, don't give up. Read it again. Check other translations. Check the lexicon. Check the commentary. Check and check and check. Listen to a sermon on it. Buy a book on it. Learn to dig. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. And that's the kind of commitment that the topic that we have this month, you know, requires. The subject of purpose is so philosophical. So deep. It is straightforward yet so deep. You know, my first introduction, or let me say one of my first introductions to unnecessarily deep but simple subjects was philosophy class. Some of you are hissing already. I mean, imagine adults in a class and the teacher says, which comes first, the chicken or the hen? I'm like, how is that my business? Well, you're not hungry. When you're hungry, you will carry one and eat. Maybe get the chicken or ma and make barbecue or get the egg and make omelette. Which one is, which comes first? How do you even sit down and come up with such a silly question? You know, but when it comes to spiritual things, there are some things that require a second and a third and a fourth look. You look at it deeply, but you see, many people are not used to that when it comes to the things of God. When it comes to purpose, you can't give it a straight jacket answer. You can't fit it into a box. You look at Abraham. Abraham lived purposefully. And then if you make the mistake of trying to itemize logically the things that maybe made him look, um, live purposefully, you're going to make mistakes. If you just say, oh, he was rich. I must be rich. You, you might be making a mistake. 
Because guess what? Jesus also lived purposefully and Jesus never accumulated wealth. You say, oh, Abraham had a family. Guess what? Jesus had no family, no biological family. This marriage that people are dying for, Jesus never had a wife, never had biological children. I know the single brothers are like, eh, hey. I can go and marry. You see, Abraham lived long. Jesus did not live long. And so you see, purpose is simple and complex at the same time. Purpose is not defined just by what you gained by it, but what you are willing to lose for it. I want to take that again. Purpose is not defined by what you gained by it, but what you were willing to lose for it. And that's why it's not straightforward. So in Hebrews 11, you see the catalog of men who lived by faith. In verse 2, the Bible says something very deep about those men. It says that the elders obtained the good reports. Listen, this is what many believers or every believer wants to experience. That at the end of your life, you stand before Jesus and he says, well done. Like this is the summation of your life, that you obtained a good report. That's the essence of purpose. That after I've walked the walk and talked the talk, you know, I can hear, well done. People who lived their lives and had gone to be with the Lord, then the Bible, in fact, I dare say God, because God's word is God's opinion. God says about them, about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these saints of old, it says that they obtained a good report. So now you want to zoom into their life and know how did they do it? How did they accomplish this? How was it that the Bible could say this about them? What did they do? How can I emulate, you know, their manner of life and their devotion? Once again, we come to the life of Abraham. And you know, the life of Abraham is relatable. A young entrepreneur can relate to the life of Abraham. That he was, you know, doing okay in his father's house. And then the father, the Lord said, leave your kindred, go to a place that I will show you. That's adulting. Some of you are at that stage now. <laughs> you know, the, when the Lord is saying, leave your father's house and go to a place that I will show you. You know, I remember when I was moving to my own house. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you, you have a deep, profound respect for your parents when you start buying your own stuff. The thing that shocked me the most was mattress. I said, this thing that we jump on and just throw pillows around, you know, so it's, it's, it costs like this. <laughs> Why is it so expensive? Well, because of spring. Everything was expensive. Name another thing that shocked you that was expensive. God bless you. I didn't want to say it before. You cut like, what? Can't I just find an old towel and cover the hero? What? What am I? What? There is no technology just to draw it like this and close it like this. 60,000, 80,000, what's going on? You know, so when you read in the Bible, even if it's, it's in a prophetic sense, a theological sense, but that's something you can relate to. 
that Abraham lived, you know, left his father's house, you know, left his kindred, went to a place that God was going to show him. And then he became great. He became prosperous. Now you read that. You want that. I want to be great. I want to be prosperous. I can challenge myself. I can do better. But the Bible in Hebrews 11 doesn't just talk about Abraham. It also talks about Moses. Listen. When you claim to understand purpose, your understanding of purpose must embrace the life experience of the incarnate son of God and someone like Abraham at the same time. Otherwise, your definition of purpose will be one-sided. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is very simple but very important. Let me tell you. The reason why we have extremes in the body of Christ, why people just camp around a particular manifestation of God is because they don't have a well-rounded approach to Bible study, just like we're going through right now. And so some people, you know, their entire theology is around the concept of Abraham. And then someone else is like, just be like Jesus. Why are you getting married? Jesus is coming soon. Why do you want to have children? There are people who are extreme like that. Why are you making money? Are you aware there are people who talk like that? You know, so we want to have a holistic, balanced approach to Bible study. You know, and then you are reading about Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 24, the Bible talks about Moses. It says, by faith. When he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He says, don't call me that. I know who I am. I know my true identity. I'm a Jew. Stop calling me the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I know my identity. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with God's people than to enjoy the passing pleasures. KJV says the fleeting riches of sin esteeming the reproach of christ can you say the reproach of christ you know i made you say it because that's that's uh, for many of you that's an oxymoron christ's reproach they don't go hand in hand <laughs> esteeming the reproach of christ greater than the riches and the treasures of egypt for he looked for a reward. At last, we begin to discover what purpose is really about. Number one, purpose is not synonymous to success. The average person, when you think about purpose, you picture a life of success. And you are superficially correct but fundamentally wrong. Purpose is not synonymous to success. If you look at Abraham's life, you might have that picture of purpose. When you look at Moses' life, Moses, Moses had a good life, quote and unquote, from a cultural, social standpoint. He had a good life. He lived in the palace. When his own people were suffering, he could have chosen to look away. It was none of his business. It didn't matter what happened to the Jews. He would have been okay. He was never a slave. Even though his people were slaves. He was never a slave. He was a child of privilege. 
And he chose to turn his back on, on all that advantage and privilege. And that also was purpose. So purpose, or let me put it in a way that you, some of you will be okay with, is not always synonymous to success. Success does not define purpose. Purpose defines success. We don't say you are purposeful just because you are successful. We say you are successful just because you are purposeful. Say loud amen. amen. Listen, when we understand this, some unnecessary competitions will die. We understand that we have different scripts and we are okay with it. We are honest enough to admit that we have different exposures and opportunities and it doesn't necessarily make us greater. I know for a fact that someone in the village preaching on a Sunday morning like me to few villagers preaching the faithful word of God is as successful as I am. Even though the people in the village may not be able to partner with him as heavily as you do, he is successful as well. Do you understand that? That's important. Someone else had all the opportunities you had, had all the resources you had, maybe was earning the same thing and if not more. But then a relative falls sick and he has a choice. I will either impoverish myself to make sure that this person recovers or I just mind my business and say, ah, oh, it is well. Are you aware there are people like that who put all their money? <laughs> May you never see trouble. Better say loud amen. amen. But then respect people. You don't know what people have been through. You have nice and fancy stuff. Their priorities are not your priorities. If you see an average young person in Africa, the, the burdens they are shouldering, you see a 21-year-old who is feeding the entire family. Because literally, many families are just looking for one person who has a glimmer of hope. So they, they can throw their burdens on the person. It's not a game. So you cannot be objective and be petty and just throw blanket conclusions. I drive this type of car, therefore I'm better than you. It doesn't always work that way. Be grateful for the privileges that you have. Not everyone had an equal playing field. You know, I've said it before. Many of us go to school and develop a resentment against our parents because we see the life that some of our mates are living, you know, not knowing that our, that our parents worked four times harder than those guys. Because those guys, you know, some of them are enjoying four generations of wealth. Your dad was the first person in his lineage to go to school. He went to school. He went, or maybe he didn't even go at all. Worked very hard. Sent you to that school. Now with an environment of privilege, you're now looking at him. And maybe his mundane perspective to life annoys you. 
Every time you try to explain things to your dad and he doesn't understand, understand that you understand better because of him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you're just trying to explain. You are, you are annoyed. He does, just doesn't get it. There's a reason you get it. And he's the reason. Your exposure didn't fall from heaven. An angel didn't use fry pan to hit your head. Bah! <laughs> they sent you to school. And interacting with other people changed your worldview. So when they are difficult, understand. I'm not saying to always succumb, you know, to all the things they are trying to make you do. But there's a reason you see things differently. You are standing on their shoulders. Never forget that. You are not better. You are just more privileged. You're not better. You're just more privileged. Purpose is not synonymous to success. Purpose is not synonymous to happiness. I know you've sung about it. Come along if you feel that happiness is the truth. Happiness is not the truth. There is an objective truth. We are to delight ourselves in it. But whether we are happy or sad, truth is truth. Come on, are you with me? You see, we have to see purpose as something greater than us. It's not about us. The world has lied to us that it's all about us. We have exaggerated our sense of importance because every time you go online, Zuckerberg would ask you what's on your mind. And so you think what you have to say is always important. But listen, there are things more important than yourself. There are things more important than you. And so, we stand a better chance knowing and discerning that you have understood purpose by what you are willing to sacrifice more than by what you have. Because a person of purpose knows that there is something, there is a greater cause. There is a God who has an agenda for whose will we all must live. In him we live, we move, we have our being. So I know that you have found purpose by your willingness to sacrifice for a greater good. Purpose is greater than me. Purpose is not about me. And so, in our journey to unpacking the subject of purpose, I'm teaching this sermon that I've titled Sacrifice. There is no greater synonym of purpose than sacrifice. Yes, sacrifice brings a lot of happiness, brings a lot of wealth, brings a lot of reward. But purpose, whether it rewards or not, purpose is purpose. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? In fact, many of the people who sacrificed, it is other people who enjoyed the reward of their labor. That the man who said, I have a dream, that my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. He never was alive to see that dream come to fruition. Come on, are you with me? So whether you see the result or the reward of it or not, purpose is purpose. A greater cause. 
And there's something I call the paradox of purpose. The paradox of purpose is this. When you discover why you are alive, you are ready to die for it. When you discover why you are alive, you are ready to die for, for it. Or let me put it this way. Whatever is worth living for is also worth dying for. If it is not worth dying for, it is not worth living for. That's the paradox of purpose. So intertwined into the philosophy, into the definition of purpose is sacrifice. So two facts about purpose. Purpose is discerned not by what you live for, but what you are willing to die for. This is why Paul said, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, so it looks like a contradiction. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So either ways I win. This is, this is a vocabulary of a man who has found purpose. If I'm alive, I win. If I die, I win. The second, purpose makes you sort of indifferent. <laughs> Just write it down while we explain. I'm making a theological case. There is a, a, an indifference of purpose. Virtually all the great men in the Bible had this thing I'm talking about. Indifference. That's the real strength of purpose. That's what makes you beyond bribe. You can't be bribed. Because you have no price. Because you can lose anything. You don't care. Paul says, I'm in a dilemma. A fix betwixt two. To stay means fruitful labor. But to die is far better. Purpose has a dilemma. It's a win-win situation. So I'm not holding on to anything. Listen, when success is not my ultimate goal, I am living for an objective truth. Something more important and greater than I am, I become dangerous. Because I have no price. You can't bribe me. You can't lure me out of my focus. You can't. David was a very confused, confusing man. Okay, they said you are king. The guy wasn't fussing about it. They were pursuing him. He got to a point they pursued him. He went to join the, he wanted to join the Philistine army. He said, can I serve here? He, this is someone who just had a heart of service. So the army, they were saying, we know you now. This, this was the first hit song in the Bible. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed 10,000. They said, are you not the one in that song? That song that Don Jazzy produced, Saul has killed his dad. Wait now. How do you know Don Jazzy? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you, you are the one in the hit song. What are you doing here? He said, just let me serve. I'm coming to that. You know, some people taste a kind of privilege that hinders them from opportunities in the future. They feel I'm too sophisticated to do this kind of job. But David, with oil on his head, still had the heart of service. Ah, okay, they didn't allow me. I'm going to move on. Where can I serve? That kind of simple mind 
makes a man of purpose powerful. Ah, if you learn what I'm saying, if you learn what I'm saying, makes you indifferent. There's an indifference that makes you powerful. You've heard me talk about selfless ambition. It is God who is persuading Abraham. Look at the stars. Look at it. These are the number of children I will give you. Abraham is like, let each male live before you. God says, no. Such a person is more dangerous than a person who wants the money, who wants the cars. That, that person is just like, God, be it unto me according to your word. You want to compete against such a person? <laughs> it's a different playing field. The indifference. Indifference. I've said it jokingly, seriously. You see, we believe in the power of God, but a Christian does not have an ungodly at attachment to things. doesn't have an ungodly attachment to things. I believe, except if by the spirit of faith, you know, that just takes a hold of you, if someone should ever point a gun at you and say, give me your phone, drop it. Don't speak in foolish tongues. Are you listening to me? Listen, because some people, they are speaking in tongues that's an expression of materialism, not the spirit. Not the spirit. Your life is more important. Your purpose is more important. Your assignment is more important. But some of us have spiritualized materialism. It is materialism that is the problem. In that scenario, the anointing will even work more if the phone doesn't matter. <laughs> I can buy many phones ten times over, but how dare you? <laughs> That's when the anointing will even work. When it's not about the phone. So, hallelujah. Some of us are too scared of losing. And so we lean to the power of God as a defense for our fear. And it doesn't work by fear. Conversation for another day. Come on, are you with me? So you see, the Bible says, desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. You know, the explanation we give, you know, in an elementary sense, if we say God wants to bless you, God wants you to be rich. You know, that's, that's elementary. It is both right and wrong to say that. <laughs> Not necessarily. Come on, are you with me? You see, because a child, you know, descends value from a needs mindset. You know, God told me one of the first times I read God. He said, children are the responsibility of the kingdom. Sons are responsible for the kingdom. So when you are a child, you just say, mommy, I'm hungry. In fact, if you are younger, you just cry. 
<laughs> and mommy understands the meaning of the cry. They just chuck food in your mouth. But an age will come in that same house. If you say you're hungry, they say, eh, eh, don't you know the way to the kitchen? You go, you get some food stuff, and then you put it on the fire. Same house, same parents, different age. So there is an elementary definition of purpose that is for children that requires explanation that when Peter hears that Jesus is going to die, he just grabs him and says, why would you say that? It's not your portion. It's not your portion. It's not your portion. Jesus, why would you say that? It's not your portion in Jesus' name. And guess what? He's doing that out of care. Out of concern. And Jesus looks at him and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. Purpose is deep. Purpose is philosophical. You, you can't just say, Okay, this is right. This is wrong. Anytime this happens, if I lose money, that must be the devil. If I gain money, that must be God. If you have this philosophy, the devil will show you. <laughs> Please, are you with me? So you, 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 you must have a broader sense. Purpose is objective. Whether I am happy in it or sad in it, purpose is purpose. Whether I am rich in it or poor in it, purpose is purpose. Come on, are you getting it? Purpose is greater than me. Purpose is sacrifice. Whatever sacrifice for a greater cause, for a divine cause brings, count me in. So, <laughs> Paul says, neither life nor death will be able to separate me from the love of Christ. Be it the positive or the negative, purpose is purpose. So if you are Abraham, And you're not doing well financially. But beyond finances, you just know that there are gifts in your life that you have not deployed. And you want to, you, you know you can challenge yourself. You sense a leading to move. You are moving in the direction of purpose. But if on the flip side, you are Moses, you have everything you need. You are wealthy. Pharaoh is your dad or step, stepdad. But you know there is more to life than that. And so you move away from wealth. Abraham moved to wealth. Moses moved away from wealth. And both of them were moving in the direction of purpose. Then you are getting a hang of it. It's not really about happiness. It's not really about prosperity. Purpose is purpose. A man 
who is in the will of God for his life is in purpose. No matter what that will may be. No matter what that will may be. And so Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Come on, are you with me? It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. So he's telling you how to live. The perspective you should have about life. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bond servant and coming bond servant and coming in likeness of a man and being found in appearance of a man he humbled himself say he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross therefore God also has highly exalted him given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven of things on earth of things beneath the earth say loud amen somebody Come on, I said, say loud, amen, somebody. Amen. Meaning and purpose, I must be willing to lay aside privileges for a greater good. Good. That's sacrifice. Oh, some people don't know this in this generation. Some people, see, even if what I'm talking about is spiritual, this is good financial advice too. I know that some people never want to pay. And so you have a money first policy, but it takes a lot of discernment. Sometimes it's better to build a business relationship. Come on, are you with me? It's better to build a business relationship. It's smarter. It can't always be about money. Sacrifice privileges for a greater good. Learn to use resources to build relationships. All these kind of things you need to know. Sacrifice privileges for a greater good. In whatever context you can identify this, please do it. There's so much I can say about that. One of the most profound statements ever made, and it's so true, Jesus said, he that saves his life shall lose it. Oh my God. And he that loses his life for my sake and for the gospels shall find it. You know, something happened when I was in primary school. It was rainy season. And I don't know about you. When I was younger, if I go out with umbrella, I'm coming out back without it. I must forget it. <laughs> Some of you can relate. I have, I would, so, and then umbrellas are expensive. So, this particular day, my mom said, make sure you come back with this umbrella. In fact, she said it the African mother way. She said, if you don't have this umbrella, don't come back to this house. All African parents talk the same way. So, every two minutes, I will look to see it with me, you know. I would love to see it with me. So I put it under my armpit. I remember we were doing 
you know, common entrance. I had to make a photocopy. So I went on, made the photocopy. And then I was done. I walked a long distance and just said, ah, umbrella. I left it. I walked all the way back and I was checking, checking frantically. And someone said, what are you looking for? I said, umbrella. I said, what's that in your armpit? Listen, I had trekked, you don't understand. <laughs> After trekking almost 20 minutes. Now, the reason why the umbrella was under my armpit and I didn't know it was there was because I was afraid to lose it. Have you ever hidden something in your house determined for you not to get lost? Then you now forget. Uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and God makes both a prophetic and observational statement that in life, those who save their lives will lose it. Will lose it. So some people, like Abraham, they will, unlike Abraham, they will rather keep job security. There are some of you you have a push to try something. You have a gift. You can start a company that will change the world, but we will never know. Because you are so afraid. So the irony is, you like, so much, you like money so much, you will never make a lot of it. That's the irony of life. You like money too much to make a lot of it. You are afraid to, to go out and try. What if I fail? Well, what if you succeed? We will never know. Go ahead. Continue your 30K. Uh-uh. Dollars, dollars, dollars. See, I have it. <laughs> but even that is small compared to maybe God's plan for your life. But you will never know. You never know. He that saves his life shall lose it. Some, some people, they enter a relationship, they idolize the partner until they break it. You have, been, you have become so paranoid. The guy doesn't feel free again. Anywhere you go, where are you? But your, your WhatsApp said you online. Why didn't you reply? Every two minutes. Now the guy is feeling choked. He does not want to do it again. He that saves his life shall lose it. <laughs> you have used your hand to break the relationship. You won't allow someone to breathe. Who they breathe? Okay. <laughs> Listen. Listen. One thing you must learn in this life, sacrifice for a greater good. Ah, we live in a microwave generation. We always want it fast. We always want it now. How dare you have Abraham as your model of faith? And you just go to Hebrews 11. You know, some people preach and say, now faith is, faith is now. 
faith. Didn't you see he used Abraham as example? Someone waited almost 30 years for a child. How's that for now? Listen, go and read the last verse, you know, you know, of Hebrews 10. It says you need patience after you have done the will of God to obtain the promise. He that is coming will come. He says, if anyone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. There is a tenacity that faith requires. Patient continuance in the will of God. Like Abraham, you stagger not at the promise of God. You Listen, this is very important. Many people don't know this. Many people don't know this. So we can learn from Elijah. The fact that he said, go and check the sky. And you checked and you saw nothing. Doesn't mean the miracle didn't happen. Elijah said, check again. So you can check seven times. The fact that it didn't work the first time doesn't mean it didn't work. So you go again. So there is a school of tenacity in faith. You need to be constant in the will of God. Continue. Continue. If you don't know how to sacrifice for greater good, ah, the Bible warns us. It says, lest there be anyone like Esau who for a morsel of meat sold his birthright. A lot of people do it in this generation. That you come back. Listen. Esau's hunger was justifiable. He was hungry. The devil knows how to catch people who have a great destiny but also have a great appetite. He will wait for you. Now, this is porridge. Do you know what made Esau's story very annoying? He was a hunter. He was on his way back. So his game, he had, he had killed an animal. The animal was on his shoulder. He just didn't have the patience to enter the kitchen and cook his own. Have you seen people like that? They want your own. Have you seen people like that? They don't have the patience to go and put in the work required. You know, so now, isn't it silly? Jacob was not a hunter. Esau was a hunter. You have killed an animal. Enter the kitchen now. No, I must eat now, otherwise I will die. And then in that moment of weakness, Jacob says, no problem. Just give me your birthright. Then he said, what is birthright? Oh my God. Watch people despise great things when they are hungry. Whether for food or for anything. You know the same thing, when the Bible was teaching on Esau in Hebrews 12, 16, he used it in the context of fornication, for instance. He says, lest there be any fornicator who, like Esau, for a morsel of meat, sold his birthright. There are some people who do it with sex. You use your body to make money. To make money. And you think it's a justifiable exchange. Your body? That's, that's what the devil likes because human beings have a poor assessment of value. 
So we think it's justifiable to bow down just once if in return he will give us all the kingdoms of the world. There are people who make those kind of mistakes. So he will wait for you. Porridge for birthright. See, for context, not a lifetime of porridge, just this one. And, you know, if it was even a lifetime of supply of porridge, it's okay. He said, just this one. And very likely, he didn't give him the whole thing. He said, just bring your spoon. <laughs> Let's eat it for birthright. Oh. For birthright. So he bring your spoon. So they ate it together. They ate his birthright. And you have to understand birthright in the grand scheme of things. According to God's prophetic calendar, it was not just seniority. Oh, from today, you are senior, senior Jacob. It was more important than that. This was supposed to be the lineage through which Christ will be born. So you miss that opportunity because of porridge. Yaman Pamoy. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh. Like, if it was, you know, barbecue or something, I don't know. God. Laugh but listen because some of you are doing the same thing in different aspects. Poor assessment of value. Exchanging your destiny for temporary gratification, for the applause of men, for simple things. Learn to sacrifice. Learn to sacrifice. What are the benefits of purpose, of sacrifice? What are the benefits of sacrifice? Number one, you will be a finisher. Oh my God. You will be a what? It takes the discipline of sacrifice to start and finish. You know, I was sitting with some people in my house just days ago, and I, re- I told them something, and I realized they didn't know it. So I want to share it with you. Are you aware that there is ample reason to believe that the destiny of, destiny of Abraham actually belonged to his father, Terah? He just didn't finish. Let me show it to you. Look at Genesis chapter 11. So, of course, you know it was in chapter 12, verse 1, that God said to Abraham, leave your father, go to a place I will show you. Look at Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. Let's see if we can observe something there. It says, and Terah took his son Abraham and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his father, daughter-in-law Sarah, and his son Abraham's wife. And they went with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. So Terah was already journeying to Canaan with his entire family. And when they came to Haran, they dwelt there. They were on their way to Canaan, but they went to Hera and they dwelt there and they stopped moving. And that's where he died. So the days of Terah were 250 years and Terah died in Hara. He started it, he didn't finish. 
And so it seems convenient that God now says to Abraham, immediately after his father died, stand up, go to a place that I will show you. And it happened to be the same Canaan they were journeying to. The place his father was supposed to go, but somehow stopped. And I don't like to say definitively what the Bible didn't say definitively, but it just looks apparent, you know, right before us. There is every indication that that mantle that Abraham took, his father was the one with the actual assignment, but he stopped. Some people just don't know how to finish. The Bible says, Paul speaking, likened ministry and purpose to, to a race. He says, like in a race, you run to win. You don't run for participation. You run to win. You run to finish. So he said, run that you may obtain. Run that you may obtain. Number two, a man of purpose. His journey will not end prematurely. Very, very like number one, but I want to just separate this. His journey will not end prematurely. You see, this is one thing that Africans struggle with. Let me say this, and this is why you must believe that purpose is not success. Do you know that even secular companies no longer have it as their purpose to make profits? Secular companies. Go and check the purpose of HP. Their company goals. You know, when you see <laughs> some adverts like McLean, you know, when they say, um, we are getting your confidence back. They make it about confidence. Sometimes they are lying. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's such a powerful ideology as a business to have your purpose as something deeper than making profits. To help your customers have their confidence back. So even secular co companies are imbibing this. But you see, let me tell you something. If Loki, the reason you are doing that job is just to make money, you may not last. And that's why some people actually play to or they begin to go down once they make money. They pick up silly habits. Many people, once they blow like this, they start, their decline will start immediately. Because the goal... We, we don't know transgenerational influence. We just want to blow. And that's why it doesn't last for many people. You see many people who were great yesterday. You see many people, they had great cars. The cars got old, they couldn't change it. The car stopped working, they packed it. In their compound, the relics of past wealth you just see it. Ah, they were rich before. Say, God forbid. And you forbid it not just by rolling your hand over your head. By decisions. Please, are you listening to me? By decisions. 
If you are not a man of purpose, you are not a man of sacrifice, let me tell you one mistake you will make. People who are not purposeful, they find it hard to reinvent themselves. Because when the only way they know is blocked, they find it hard to try something else. When Jesus tells a young rich ruler, go and sell all you have and follow me. Ah, it's hard. It's hard. That's how people, they will still be doing typewriter business. They will tell them, ah, there is a new technology in time, IBM. They say, what is that? <laughs> Do you know they have places in Lagos, they still use typewriter. Ha. You don't need a sermon on generational course. Just go and see. IBM has come and passed. Computers have come and passed. People are still using typewriter. This is what I know. You can't reinvent yourself. Eh? Some of you, your life journey will be like David. You, do, you won't have one career path. It will be as occasion demands. You are a shepherd boy. But it's music that will take you to the palace. Are you getting what I'm saying? The fact that David could even tell Saul, I can face Goliath, is because they already had some form of relationship. It was music. Just hey, because music took you to the palace doesn't mean that was what's going to make you king go. Ah. Some people don't understand the transitions of their journey. So they hold on to the relics of their past until they are no longer relevant. So, you learn when you are supposed to be a shepherd boy for a time being. And when you are supposed to be a musician for the time being. And when you are supposed to be a soldier for the time being. All of that is to journey you just, in fact, not even to be kingo, David's real destiny was to be a prophet. That was his real destiny. So some of you, you must learn to evolve. A man of sacrifice, even if he has done something successfully, he knows how to reinvent himself. Some of us, you know, the business that we were doing, we hit a brick wall. We didn't know how to start again. That's not the God of the Bible. If you dug a well and they seize it, you dig another one. That's the God of the Bible. Why are you crying? The business failed. Are you the first? The f are you aware that the fact that the business failed doesn't mean God wasn't with you? God was with Isaac. They still seized this well. Dig another one. And when they seize the second one, dig it again. Come on, are you with me? Until he says, Rehoboth, God has made room for me. But that revelation of Rehoboth came through tenacity. I won't stop. It's going to take a lot to see my end. I won't stop. It doesn't matter who tries. It doesn't matter what they say. I won't stop. Hey, a righteous man falls how many times? Seven times and will rise again. Some people think that just because God is with you, just because you are anointed, you won't have any challenges, you won't fall at all. Uh -uh. Get up! Go again. Some people, after one success or one near one disappointment, their life shuts down. Why? 
Why? Where are you learning this? And we have become so fickle. This general theology is producing weak believers. Weak. So, fi so fidgety. We think we are prayerful, but we are superstitious. It's not my prayer. It won't happen. It won't happen. This business. It won't happen. You are so fearful. So fearful. Go with confidence. If God be for me, who can be against me? Go with confidence. Stop being afraid. Anointing Byron. Anointing iPad. Anointing pencil. Anointing ink. Anointing... <laughs> you tie mantle. You know, there's difference between faith and superstition. Eh? I'm just afraid. <laughs> That's how false prophets get you. They just come. I say... You tell a lady, it's like you used to have menstruation. Ha! Ha! How do you know? You say, did I know you before? Have I met you before? Celebrate grace. Yes, they catch you <laughs> cheaply. Mumu mumu prophecy. You don't fall. <laughs> because, because you are too fearful. They never even talk. Ha! That's why you are wondering why you are tongue speaking. Eh? And one chance till they catch you. Because you are afraid. You are afraid. Someone will just block you on the road. Start engaging stupid prophecy. You cannot prophesy, prophesy your own back. You need to know who you are. Next point. It protects you from depression. It protects you from depression. You see, the indifference of purpose protects you from depression. Because in the kingdom, we don't hold things like that. So if you take it, uh -huh, it doesn't change my life. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that you put. Anything that you lose and you lose your mind was your idol. So start learning it. Because you are a child of God doesn't mean people won't disappoint you. See, protect your mind ahead of time. If you are dating someone, the person can break your heart. That's what relationship is about. See, some of us don't like to hear the truth. Study what free will is and have peace. Everyone has the privilege of foolishness. It's a privilege. Oh, yes. I said before you, life and death. Why should it even be a choice? Life and death. Everybody should want life. But the reality is, they still have a choice. So, the Bible will only advise you, choose life. Choose life. So listen, you can do everything right. A fool will be a fool. So if you did everything right in the relationship and they treated you like trash, you know, they stepped on you, you know, they lied to you, they deceived you, why then will you now confirm their, their foolishness and then end your life? Why? 
Dust yourself. Shake yourself. We must not even see from your dressing that anything has changed you. That's when you should buff up the best. Do you understand what I'm saying? Go, go and shop. Buy. You can cry. Oh, it's okay. You are human. But outside, you eat. You wear your best. You come out. You must not look like you have gone through fire. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because let me tell you one secret. Everybody checks their ex once in a while. They'll check their Instagram. Listen, see. See. Go out. Have fun. Eat with friends that love you. Do you understand? Dress well. Then they say, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> In their heart of mind, they'll be like, did I not make a mistake like this? See, and don't even do it because you want them back. Move on. Move on. Move on. Move on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because if you felt that's the only person in the world that can love you, you are the problem. You are the problem. That's why I started treating you wrong. Because those things show. When you, when you feel you don't have options, it will show in your demeanor. He will step on your toes. You will look away because you are afraid. Ah, if this relationship break, where do I start from? That's when you will now step on your head. Because <laughs> you are afraid. You don't know the God of Rehoboth. You don't know that if one well is seized, you dig another one. <laughs> if UK deny you visa, you do what? US, straight up. No time. <laughs> Hallelujah. What can separate me from the love of God in Christ? This is a solid mindset that prevents depression. I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Neither life nor death, nor angels nor principalities or powers, nor things present or things to come shall be able. Do you know what it means to talk about your future and see, imagine what kind of scenario will make you second guess your love for Jesus, the convictions, the path that you have chosen, the decisions you have made, and you have said nothing will be able. What kind of mind? You know, some other people, they are looking at their future and they're like, hey, hey, if this boy should say he's not doing it again. You know, and that's when you, some people, the guy is behaving well. Oh. You imagine the worst and start behaving as if he has started misbehaving. <laughs> Women are complex. They will imagine him misbehaving, then start acting in real life as if he's behaving. <laughs> do you not say, ah, what's going on? Say, do you love me? Do you love me? <laughs> I just want to know. Somehow, we always look into our future and project that things might go wrong. But if you can look into your future and say, what shall be able? What shall be able? You are saying, you have looked at the arsenal of the devil. You have assessed his greatest weapon. And you know that even if you shoot this one, you can take it. You now say, nothing shall be able 
to separate me from the love of God in Christ. That's what it means to be a more than conqueror. Meaning before you even go, you have assessed the worst that can happen and you are greater than it. You are more than conqueror. Meaning there's no need for argument, no need for fighting. Hallelujah. More. You have God, little children, and have overcome the world because greater is he that is in you. That's the mentality. He sees the devil's best weapon and he says, you have more capacity. If he throws his best shots, you won't die. I'm telling you, you will survive it. Greater is he that is in you. Do you believe that? Greater, 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 greater. Hey, some of you need this word. You are going through a lot. Greater is he that is in you. In your business, it looks like there's no way. Greater is he that is in you. In your relationship, greater is he that is in you. Than he that is in the world. Go again. Hallelujah. Greater. Because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Greater is he that is in you. Come on, speak in tongues right now. Speak in tongues right now. Speak in tongues. I always win. Always. 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 For we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them that are the called. According to his purpose. I always win. I always. Ah, for we know. That all things work together for good. Greater. 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 Greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in the world. Throw your best shot devil. Greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in the world. Ah, you might want to stand up for a bit. Um, and speak in tongues. Stir yourself up. This is not the time to be quiet. Roar. Roar! Roar! He said, if we shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, he said, you shall have what you say. Oh, because you have a bigger mountain inside you. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even your faith. Come on, roar like a champion. Roar at the devil. Roar at that challenge. Kepalando katale. Ara. I refuse to be defined by the mistakes of my past. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting the past and reaching out for the things ahead, I press on. I press on. Come on, apply pressure. I press on for the mark of the price of the high calling of God. I press on. I press on. I press on. I soldier on. I refuse to give up. I press on. I refuse to give in. I press on. I refuse to be depressed. I press on. 
Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. My best days are ahead of me, not behind me. Ahead, 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 ahead. Etekaba. Kepale no kapara. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Uh, sometimes the requirement for moving on is to let go of pettiness. You see, sometimes the pettiness of the past block you from recognizing the opportunity in your presence that Jesus is standing before you, asking you who has been on that mat 38 years, will you be made whole? You say, I have no man. Leave the people who disappointed you in the past. Look at the opportunity standing. Hallelujah. Look at the opportunity. In the name of Jesus, you're going to pray. It doesn't matter who promised me and disappointed. I press on. I press on. I press on. Begin to pray right now. I press on. New frontiers. New opportunities. New friends, new businesses, new, new doors. I refuse to be fixated on the disappointment of the past. New doors, new doors. You can't put new wine in old wine skin. In Jesus' mighty name, we'll pray. We're going to pray one final prayer. Lord, help me to differentiate a seed from a harvest. Help me not to squander what I should be investing. Help me to recognize that the things around me, I am supposed to reinvest, not to squander. Help me to go again, to, to still hone my gifts, to still have the hunger that I once had. To still have the favor that I once had. In the name of Jesus. Help me to sacrifice for better days. Help me to sacrifice for better days. Help me to sacrifice for better days. To sacrifice for better days. To sacrifice for better days. I won't eat my seed. I won't enjoy now and suffer tomorrow. He said, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and dies. It abides alone. But if it dies, it brings much fruit. I choose to pay the price today. I choose to pay the price today. Not tomorrow, but today. Take up Ali and the cash it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Thank you, Father. The Bible says, Woe to them who are at ease in Zion. Lord, I pray that you give, it, give us a sense of urgency that will help us to pay the price burn the midnight oil and put in the work that is needed for our destiny to show forth 
make us a people of sacrifice who will not turn back at any challenge who like Abraham will stagger not at your promise but will be strong in faith giving you glory we receive that grace and tenacity in the mighty name of Jesus we receive that grace and tenacity in the mighty name of Jesus I'm praying right now for career direction some people are saying Lord to travel or to stay to continue with this job or to start the business I pray in the name of Jesus uh, for those who have received the direction but need the bravery let the zeal of the Lord take a hold of you right now let every discouragement die uh, because boldness is not just mental ascent it's an operation of the spirit let boldness come on you now take steps in the direction of your destiny take it boldly now in the mighty name of Jesus thank you father glory to your name say this to me say I receive grace not to be discouraged I receive grace not to be discouraged uh, say I receive grace not to be discouraged say the God of Rehoboth is my God say for every door that is shut seven orders will be opened therefore I go again therefore I try again therefore I move forward Hey, say forgetting the things that are past. I press on to the things that are before me. Say better days are before me. Say better days are before me. Say my best days are yet to come. My best days are yet ahead. In the name of Jesus. Give Jesus praise if that's true about you. Glory. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.